Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on today's podcast. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. On today's show, they break down the first week of 2022 ATP Challenger action, recapping maiden titles for Rodriguez, Taverna, and Luca Nardi, chatting about Zdenek Kolar's continued doubles excellence. They also attempt to predict the Australian Open qualifiers qualifying, getting underway for both the men and women this week. It is another fantastic podcast podcast episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, I am hoping to get both Damien and Jakob on the show later this week to recap qualifying. But of course, if you missed out on any of the action happening in Australia, whether it be at the challenger level, whether it be Australian Open qualifying or any of the week's past ATP or WTA level events, know that you can catch up on it all. On the mini break podcast feed, tennis.com editorial producer David Kane joining me on Monday to offer the latest on the Novak Djokovic situation. Also offer our thoughts on all of the action that happened in week one. I'm going to go on solo as well. Had a couple additional thoughts that I wanted to flush out as well. So be on the lookout for a double mini break Monday here today. Of course, college coaching interviews continuing to rock and roll as well. If you want to hear from pretty much any Division One Power 5 men's or women's head coach before the start of the 2022 college tennis season, a season that is already sneakily underway, folks, with hidden duels and invitationals already getting set. You can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. This podcast, Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, even our YouTube channel, all rocking and rolling. But you didn't come here to listen to plugs. You came here to hear about the ATP Challenger Tour. So with all of that said, let's get to another ATP Challenger-centric episode from host Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. We are meeting for a first proper episode, I suppose, this year, because we're actually going to have to you know, talk about some tennis that happened. Uh, prepare her for a lengthy one, because we're also going to be talking about Australian Open qualifying. Uh, yeah, so I guess at first we should start with the review of the, of the challenges that happened. None of us got a point on the board this week. Yeah. So where do you want to start then? Uh, let's let's start in in Charalgon, where Tomasz Machac beat Bjorn Fatangelo seven six six three uh, in the finals. It was his third challenger title for for Machac. He moves up to number one thirty in the rankings. Uh, en route there, he got a retirement from Mayo in the first round. Then beat Santelan, Kukushkin, and De Jong, and then Fatangelo. What do you make of Machac this week? Yeah, I mean, a, a fabulous week, really. I was I was thinking of Mahaj as one of the guys who could break through in 2022. I don't know if it's going to happen yet, but uh, but I guess this is a, a good start. Some, yeah, a good start and a bit of a key year for him because last year he never really made any real progress, at least in terms of the rankings. And I, I feel like this year will really show us whether he can go up from that 130 level or something like that. Uh, you know, to, to the top 100 or something. This is a fabulous start. Uh, not not going to spoil much, but I think he also has a very good draw for the Australian Open qualies. So 
he could really be one of the one of the guys that uh, showed the best form in 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 uh, now not December January of course. Um, yeah, Fratangelo, uh, his opponent there, his twelfth challenger final, uh, third straight final loss. Um, he also moves up uh, twelve spots, number one hundred fifty-three. Uh, en route to the final, he beat Ellis, Horansky, Lehechka, and Kruger. Uh, the last two in third set tie breaks. What do you make of Fratangelo? I, I kind of thought he might be winning this one, honestly, but uh, but the the matches against Kruger and Lehechka were, were very draining. Especially the the semi that was that was a wild one. Uh, he was down five yeah. zero in the third, uh, saved too much points in the tie break, and I mean he he could trust his forehand in these in these important moments, and in the final he really couldn't. And I feel like that was that was the most important part of you know of why the reason why he lost it. Also the the forehand was a little bit uncharacteristically I don't know how to how to say it. It just sprayed mistakes. A little more too much than 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 we know of, uh, that that we're usually used to seeing Bien Fratangelo. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite challenger to shots probably. Yeah, I mean I I enjoy Fratangelo a lot um, of all the the veterans that we sort of have on the challenger tour who sort of stayed there the entire time or, or for for the large portion of their career. I, I enjoy him. He's he's up there for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was also his first final in five years, not in the state, not in the United States, or something that, like that. Yeah, yeah, only his fourth uh, challenger final outside uh, America. Yeah, very impressive week for for both guys. Um, I also wanted to mention the doubles. Where's Daniel Collage? Won his fourteenth doubles title uh, on the challenger tour. I said uh, he, he won it with uh, Manuel Guinard over Hisler and Stricker in the final. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Any further words on, on the collage? On this yeah, he's, he's becoming a legend of this of this podcast, sort of, <laughs> uh, for his double double specialism and I mean specialty or whatever how how do you want to call it and and I mean uh, expertise maybe and I. I still can't understand it, but it's not like every single guy who plays as many Challenger doubles events wins 14 of them. We've already mentioned a few doubles specialists who have either zero or one Challenger doubles title throughout their careers, yet seemingly have you know a skill set so much more, so much better suited to this to this uh, category to the, to this discipline of tennis. So I, I still can't understand it, but I mean, well done the collage. We, we love to see it for sure. Yeah. Maybe he's just like a master motivator and always gets the best out of his partner or something. Who knows? You know, he uh, has a pretty good volleying game, I think. So, so maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We, we also had uh, yesterday on which the semis, which, which I thought was interesting, the 12th seed in this tournament. Um, he beat uh, JJ Wolf, which which was a, a pretty good result for him. I was, I was sort of surprised that he beat him. Then beat Joe Simon, who I thought was very confusing because I I thought that he might be going out to Van Rijthoven in the first round, but he absolutely smashed him six love six two. Then was smashing Blancano before he retired six love two one, and then got sort of dismissed by De Jong. So kind of a weird week for for Joe Simon. I don't really know what to what to expect from him there. Yeah, I love the young though. Uh, I I never expected him to. Well, maybe not never expected him to, but I thought he might be losing to Stricker. Then I thought he might be losing to Wolf. Then after the two matches that Simon had, I thought like, okay, this is gonna be the end. And then I guess I expected a little bit more against Mahaj, but still, 
fantastic week for someone who mostly had you know his success last year mostly came on clay so it's it's very reassuring to see who was your pick uh Lehechka, right Le, yeah yeah i i bid lehechka lehechka lost to fratangelo 6-1-3-6-6-7 so that's unfortunate but you know i mean good run yeah yeah not not entire not not horrible he he beat martered uh, and Ignatic. Yeah, the, the, the win over Ignatic was a little bit weird, but then then the one against Materer was very good. I think the match against Fratangelo wasn't streamed, right? Or am I? Uh, I, I I didn't see it and I didn't look for it. Yeah, so I think I'm, it was. I, I think it was uh, the the quarterfinal. They had all four of them at the same time, and one one or even two of the courts weren't streamed. And I think this one, Mahaj Kukushkin was definitely streamed. And I think Kruger Serdarusic was as well. I'm not sure about Simon de Jong, but but Fratangelo and Hechka, I couldn't I couldn't find it. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. Uh, anything else from Trevalgon? Mm, probably not. I guess I I really I, I talked about Filip Sekulic last week, and I I loved his performance against Kuhn. Uh, he's got a great forehand, and over the years that I haven't seen him, so so pretty much since the pandemic, definitely developed a lot. He also has a qualifying wildcard for the Australian Open. And while I'm not really you know, expecting him to uh, make it to the main draw, I, I am very excited to watch him there. Hopefully the Australians are going to get to, you know, more of the Australians are going to get to uh, leave the, the continent freely and play more uh, you know, in other countries because you cannot really be a professional player just in Australia, at least at this point in time when there is no... Barely any ITFs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the the two wild cards that we sort of talked about, Omar Jessica and Lee, two neither of them ended up playing, unfortunately, uh, due to due to health issues. So that didn't really materialize into anything. Um, yeah, Gulbas played an interesting match that I just wanted to mention. I, I saw him play against Gosuada. That was interesting. <laughs> In a yeah, it, it, it's good, it's good to see him play. It's good to see him still around. Um, but clearly, he's just nowhere near. <laughs> what he is to be. I watched the match he played in the in the qualies, and I mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's clearly not where he where he used to be. But I I didn't see the the one against Soeda, but I've heard that he actually showed some real intent and motivation to, uh, you know, to fight. Yeah, for no, it, I mean so. it, it, it was very entertaining. I, I watched the third set of it. It was very entertaining. They they were both going for it, very long games towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Soeda came out on top. Right, should we move on to Bendigo? Yep. Yep, Bendigo were 8th seed and Nestor Escobedo beat 10th seed Enzo Coacon, uh, 5-7, 6-3, 7-5. 4th challenger title for Escobedo, he moves up 23 spots to number 141. Before Coaco, he beat uh, Trungheiti, uh, Jason Jung, uh, Vid Kopshiva, and Salvatore Caruso. Uh, what do you make of Escobedo this week? I, every time I I think that Ernesto Escobedo is gonna sub, is gonna do well and come back to the top 100, he seems to you know get on a losing streak. So I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be too overly appreciative of of what he did this week. The final was very messy, probably his worst performance of the bunch, honestly. Uh, but but still very entertaining, of course. And I I still think that there's. You know that that top 100 is still in Escobedo somewhere, but he needs to do it more consistently. 
Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, to qualify for the Australian Open because this week was probably quite draining with the Copriva match and with the with the final against Quaco. Uh, but certainly someone uh, we maybe a bit overlooked when when looking for the for the winner picks. Uh, but someone who can easily easily climb back to where he was, you know, at least to me. And he is his first title is since July 2019, I think. So so it's really been a while, even though he's been playing in a in a very on a very competitive level, right? He was in the second round of the US Open last year or the year after. I think both last year and the year before that. Also Indian was second round. So he's he's still very competitive even at the higher level, but but couldn't really get to a to a challenger final or, a, or 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 win a title there. So so it's very cool to see him. He also comes back to the top one hundred and fifty after over three years. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually didn't realize that he was away from the top one hundred and fifty for that long. Um, uh, as as for Quaco, uh, he goes up thirteen spots, number one hundred and sixty-six. His route uh, to the final was beating Kiked, Fabiano, Halis, and Agamenone, all in three sets, all in <laughs> quite grueling matches, it seems, uh, based on the scoreline. And he, he actually also reached a doubles final with uh, Blas Rola, so he has, he's had a very long week uh, as a Quaco. Uh, did you see any of him this week? Yeah, sure. I mean. King of deciding sets, <laughs> that, that, that for sure. I, I really expected him to, to beat Escobedo in another one, I guess. Uh, Ernesto had, a, an, had an NTO in the second. Uh, I think it was a shoulder. I, I you know, The stream, it's sometimes really hard to tell. Uh, Quaco also re- avoided some very narrow, you know, losses in in very narrow with very narrow margins, like the the one against Alice where he saved five match points. Uh, then Agamemnon almost did the same to him. Uh, so a really wild run. I mean, Enzo Quaco is, for me at least, like this player who we never really expect to, to do much. And then he suddenly comes out out of nowhere, uh, has a run like this. We've seen it last year in uh, Gran Canaria, was it, I think? Uh, yeah, and Cassis three years ago that he won, 2018, yeah. And, and then you sort of expect him to keep up this form, and it never really happens, but hopefully we're going to be, you know, hopefully this time it's going to be other way around. He's still a very talented guy. Even last year, even after after Las Palmas, he also had that final against Kokinakis uh, in Biela. So, so maybe it's not going to be this, you know, maybe it's not going to be this bad, but uh, I, I certainly think he could have went for his shots a little bit more in the third set against Escobedo. I think he paid the price for just letting... Ernesto do everything he he wanted, and and that was probably why he why he lost it in that decider. Uh, yeah, well, as I mentioned, the, the doubles, uh, Ruben Bemelmans and Daniel Masur uh, won the doubles, which was you know good to see them still staying together from last year when they had some really good results, two titles and a final. Uh, so hopefully they they make an impact this year as well. Uh, also, Franco Agamemnon reaching the semis. I wasn't expecting that. That's for sure. Um, although I mean, he, he did come from a pretty nice uh, quarter there. I think after Koboli uh, eliminated Kozlov. Uh, but yeah, Agamemnon beat um, Cooper Eri, Renzo Olivo, Matias Bachinger, and Dmitri Popko uh, before losing six four in the third to Quaco. Uh, what do you make of Agamemnon this week? I mean, you 
it, it's the the story is still going on and it's crazy right because he before last year i believe he never he didn't play on hardcores for like two or three years then he had some success in the itfs but i mean you we never really could have guessed that he was gonna be this good this week and and it's it's particularly crazy when you look at the you know at the big picture and how he started last year as the world number 675 I believe this was also his first hardcore challenger ever. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how how do you even? Uh, I still don't get how he suddenly became a much better tennis player at the age of twenty, almost twenty eight, uh, in January last year. But he's still going on. He's gonna play his first Australian Open Grand Slam qualifying in overall. Uh, next week so you know still a, a fantastic run it's gonna be a little while before he starts dropping points heavily so so still a lot of time to to make up for you know for the for the first months of 2021 when he the only thing he could play was 15 Ks. yeah i mean it's a proof that there's still hope for us and we shouldn't give up <laughs> <laughs> i mean he probably started playing a bit earlier than than uh, i mean than i did you you probably you know he he trained a lot more than you do right now. Let's say that. Uh, that's that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would say almost anybody trains more than I do. Um, but yeah, impressive results. He's now quite solidly inside the top two hundred. Uh, certainly unexpected. I mean, um, anything else for Bendigo? Who did you have as your as your winner pick? Um, who I had uh, Uwe Grenier. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which who I thought he was actually going to go lose to Zizo Bergs, but pulled through that match seven six in the third, but I had to retire uh, down four zero in the third to Caruso in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think I think there was that that weird story there because he had COVID when he landed in Australia, and then uh, when the when the physio came, he like refused to wear his mask because he said that he already had COVID. Uh, people thought that he said that he has COVID right now, and it was just. <laughs> Just a mess. I I don't know what to think about, uh, you know, about about his preparation for for the Australian Open qualifying draw. But we're gonna get to that. I had Stefan Kozlov. Honestly, I mean, he just continues to be one of the most unpredictable players out there. It's it's a wild ride following his career. Uh, yeah. I remember last year, just before we, just before he had that amazing streak in US Challengers, uh, he played in Mallorca. And I said that his match against the Rincon was probably the worst challenger game I, I've watched all year. Um, and I mean, it's it's not like I could have foreseen that Kozlov was going to be so good because he literally has these performances every once in a while. And the match against Koboli just wasn't any good either. Uh, I I have no clue what to, I mean, what to expect from Stefan Kozlov. It's always a roller coaster, just you know, pulling up, pulling up, putting on a stream of his match. Uh, even yesterday, he played Kudla in in the qualies to a, to an ATP event, I think, and uh, and he he lost blowing like two match points. But he was actually very competitive. Like comparing to the performance against Koboli, it was night and day, really. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he gets a he gets a main draw wild card to the to the Australian Open because of the USTA challenge. So. Uh, he he can just as well play very well against uh, a high seed or play absolute crap against the worst player in the draw, who will probably be I don't know one of the Australian wildcards or or saying or or some random qualifier. We'll see. 
Yeah, uh, so from Australia, let's move out to Buenos Aires, uh, Challenger 50, where two young Argentines faced off for the title. And with San Diego Fa Rodriguez Taverna defeating Facundo Diaz Acosta, 6-4-6-2, for his maiden uh, Challenger title. He also uh, breaks the top 300, moving up to number 266. Uh, en route to his title, he beat Mats Rosenkrantz, who was actually the only player to take a set off of him this week. So quite impressive from, from Rosenkrantz, actually, uh, who we joked about a bit <laughs> to Argentina. Uh, he then beat uh, Juan Pablo Paz, uh, Edna Casanova, and Gonzalo Lama uh, before facing Diaz Acosta in the final. Uh, how do you like Rodriguez Taverna this week? I liked him a lot until he stole the point from me. Uh, there was a moment like around the quarters, maybe even when I really thought, okay, yeah, I got this. Diaz Acosta is the peak. And yeah, and then he was quite comprehensively outplayed in the final. I, I made a tweet today that uh, the best righty forehand met the best lefty forehand in the field. And I do believe that's, that, that was really the case. Uh, but but Rodriguez Taverna has a much more powerful stroke. Uh, the, the the lefty forehand of Diaz Acosta, he just needs to work his way through through the opponent a little bit more, construct points. And Rodriguez Taverna is insane. Actually, comparing him to uh, I could compare him to Escobedo in a way, the other challenger <laughs> winner, because the like it, it's very hard obviously to generate power when you're moving backwards. And Escobedo has that ability from his forehand and Rodriguez Taverna does it in a very similar way. Obviously he's so much better on clay courts, but, but it's still a, a super effective stroke. And, and I am, I mean, I remember last year talking about him as someone who probably has a little bit too much weaknesses in the backhand to a little bit too many weaknesses to, to in the backhand to realistically like break through to I don't know top one fifty or something, but I'm not so sure anymore. Like in in this final, I feel like he we obviously don't get these stats on the Challenger Tour, but uh, I feel like he played like eighty percent of his balls from the forehead side. He was literally so effective at at running around this, and and I mean if if he can do that, if he can limit the uh, the way his opponents, uh, you know, just expose his backhand, then then he can certainly be very dangerous. Especially as it's the court seemed quite fast, and uh, and I think the the servant forehand combination was so much more effective because of that as well. Uh, yes, as for Diaz Acosta, uh, he moves up thirty five spots to number uh, three hundred and three. Uh, en route to the final, he beat Lautaro Midon. Mariano Navone, Gonzalo Villanueva, and Murkel Deyen, who I think we're going to talk about in a bit, uh, all without dropping a set. He was I mean, quite dominant uh, in, in his results there, but unfortunately, as you said, couldn't outplay Rodriguez Taverna. Uh, speaking of Murkel Deyen, he was the surprise of the week for me. I did not expect him to, to body his way through the draw like this, where... Uh, he beat Lana de Lopez Linket, 6-4-6-1, then Kuner Huertas uh, del Pino, 6-3-6-3. Then my pick, Guido Andreozzi in the first round, 6-3-6-2. Lipovsek Puchas, he beat 6-1-6-1. Uh, Buruchaga, he beat 6-3-6-1. He was absolutely killing everybody, uh, but then got killed by Diaz Acosta, 6-3-6-1 uh, in the semis there. Uh, what do you make of Murke or Dejan this week? Yeah, I, I didn't see much, actually. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure, I mean... Uh, the the most I can say about this guy is that he has a very long name. Like when you, I think when you uh, you know take some more of his uh, yeah, I, I think it's been like officially shortened now. Uh, it's been officially shortened. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah, he did have a second name and then a second last name. 
but he, he, the, moves up one. Mm-hmm. he moves up 218 spots this week because he was outside the top 900 and now he's 687 in the rankings obviously he's the he's the younger brother of hugo delian yeah. uh which you would easily be able to tell if you if you saw him because it's <laughs> i mean the, the you know the resemblance is quite uncanny and he played uh, college or I don't think he still yeah. plays now. I, th- I think he played at, at Wichita State. So, so you know, maybe someone to look out for because this week, uh, I think we underestimated what a nine match, nine match or eleven was it the losing streak does to you in terms of Andreozzi. But yeah. then again, you still actually need to play at a very decent level to to beat Guido Andreozzi, losing just five games. Uh, so I'm certainly very excited to see how Delian does in you know in the next events he played. I don't think he's in, um, yeah, he's not in Blumenau, right? Uh, not that I saw. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think he he was Murkel Delian. He, his his ranking is obviously how how did he even get to the close here? Was it one of the was he one of the alternates? I can't. I can't well, I mean, th- th- there were buys in the qualifying, so I think... Yeah, that... so he was just... Yeah, he was actually the eighth seed in qualifying. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of these guys were just, like, unranked. Yeah, or... the empty leads were... The empty the entries were empty, yeah. So so yeah. it's going to be pretty hard for him to, to play challengers again soon, but I guess maybe maybe there's going to be another entry list at Burley. Actually, he would have made it this week from what I see. 905 yeah of course he, he would have been the 10th seed this week i believe so he just yeah. I, I don't know if he never signed up or if he withdrew because he's not on the withdrawals list that i see uh but anyhow we'll see where he where he plays next but certainly someone to to watch out for because he seems to be quite a bit better than than you would have expected from him i also watched uh a, quite a bit of carlos Jimeno volero this week he apparently had some sort of a hand issue and pulled off like 39 double faults in his two matches. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough to watch. In the first two sets against Burutaga, he made 33% of his second serves. But in a way, I think this was still very encouraging because even though he lost all these points for free, he was still able to hang with these guys and like overperform them because he lost these points lost these points without even playing them so for the matches to be close as they were he actually had to be winning a lot more from the from the baseline or I don't know just just in any other way right so uh, I, I wouldn't say it's <laughs> it's such a bad sign although obviously the hand injury if it's if it's something serious that that is a bad sign for him yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I get your point, but I feel like he would rather just not be injured. Oh, of course, of course. Normally. <laughs> He'd still be winning more points then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. We already mentioned Batsros in class, but he also won the doubles with Conner uh, Huerta Zalpino. Uh, so overall, I think a very positive week for him in Buenos Aires. I'm excited to see what he does next week in Blumenau. Probably already uh, worth coming to the to, to South America. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably. I, I don't know how much money he actually made for the for for, for the win there at a challenger fifty. Doubles title, in, not much. So probably like a flight ticket. <laughs> yeah. So there, there you go. He's already maybe sort of broken even at least on the flights. Maybe yeah, not now he can out. just earn money. So. Yeah. <laughs> now the pressure's off. He's going to body the entire draw in, in Blumenau. 
But firstly, we go to Forli, where we had a very surprising final. I think, at least for me, I wasn't expecting this at all. Uh, Luca Nardi uh, defeating uh, Mukun Sasikumar, 6-3-6-1 in the final. Uh, it's a first challenger title for the 18-year-old Nardi. He goes up 58 spots to number 306 in the rankings, so very close to breaking the top 300. His route to the final was beating Lucas Katarina, Evan Furness, Christian Harrison, and then a semifinal walkover from Cedric Marzos Stebe. Uh, what do you make of Nardi this week? Yeah, I, I don't want to be, you know, just you know, some sort of a, a guy who just says, okay, but he didn't even play well, but he didn't. I mean, in the first three matches, he was really struggling, lost the opening set in all of them, then got a walkover from the hardest opponent, probably. I mean, Harrison Stebe, eh, probably, you know, that's probably yeah. debatable. Uh, but uh, Mukun Sasikumar didn't really... You know, just never really showed up in the final. The The way he played from the qualies was absolutely astonishing, out of nowhere. Uh, his last uh, tournament in 2021, I believe he lost in a quarterfinal of a 15k and won two games against... Uh, uh, I can't remember now, but the, I mean, it, it's a guy who, who never really plays challengers. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he also lost to Hadi Habib in, the, in, the, in December. Uh, and anyhow, I mean, I, I I just don't really get how this happened that Mukund was playing so well, and I think this would have been a great final if he you know if he was able to keep up this level. But Nardi just didn't really have much to do. But to his credit, he probably had the, like the most comprehensive performance he had all week. Uh, limited the errors, had more confidence on his forehand than he had in in some of the matches. Uh, I mean, he would have gotten the, to, to a challenger title regardless at some point. So, I mean, I don't really care, but it's certainly one of the easiest draws you could have, even to win a, a challenger 50. Yeah, uh, as for as for Mokund, uh, he moves up 62 spots, number 352. His route from qualifying, uh, he beat Niklas Salmin and Vilato. And the main draw, he beat 40, EFCF, Bencha 3, and uh Pirosh before losing to Nardi. I was very shocked by the by the Pirosh uh win for, for him. Because since I mean beforehand it, it was what 40 and two qualifiers. Um yeah I wasn't expecting that for sure. Uh in the doubles Botolotti and Kadhe uh took the title. Do you have anything else from from Forley? Um no, probably not. I mean I'll just say that uh, the the guy who I was talking about the the, the last loss that the last match that Mukund had in Sasi Kumar right now is yeah I still I still say Sasi Kumar Mukund but he actually changed his name to Mukund Sasi Kumar so uh, excuse me if I if I do that again but anyhow the last loss he had in December was to Sidan Pontio di Cromo the twenty four year old Dutch twenty one year old Dutchman sorry. Uh, so yeah, not really, uh, and he only won two games. So this this run was just absolutely out of nowhere. I don't see how it happened. I was actually surprised to learn that uh, the, that he had a challenger final before. I did not remember that at all uh, in China three years ago. Yeah. So I guess at least it's you know at least it's rep- repetitive. But uh, um, you know we can't really be sure if it's pressure or not. But but the final. Yeah, he he never repeated any of any of his form from the 
from the week, you know, from what, what he showed prior in the week. In China, in Bao ba 2, or however you want to read this, uh, he lost to James Duckworth. So probably a bit of a tougher final opponent. So uh, really yeah. can't really tell yet if it's a mental block or, or not. I guess we shall see if he ever makes uh, another challenger final. Maybe he's 24, so maybe. Um, all right, should we go to match of the week and episode of the week? Yeah. Uh, Ray, what was your upset of the week? I think we're going to go for the same one. Uh, I'm just looking at, at what the bookies had, and I think there were like two that were very similarly priced for them, or maybe just one. Um, there was one in uh, Buenos Aires, or or not. Buenos Aires was one I thought, thought of. Uh, Jose Pereira over Tardelli was one I, I considered. Uh, the book is priced very similarly to uh, of them. Uh, Har uh, Harry Burscher losing in the first round at Tragon to Brandon Walkin. Uh, I didn't really know much about Walkin, but I, uh, that was certainly quite quite a bit of an upset. But I think Mukund beating, uh, I mean, Sasi Kumar beating Pirosh was the, the one that <laughs> definitely had me, uh, had me shocked. I was expecting... Uh, no, um, uh, either a Pirosh Nardi or a Pirosh Stebe final at this point because I don't think Stebe was already uh, withdrawn. Uh, but just Pirosh just seemed like such a lock to get there, and I, I you know, I, especially looking at how Mukun later performed in the final, and the way he just yeah. painted all the lines in the semis was just insane. Uh, I don't think this this is a this is a bad loss. To, for Pirosh in a in a way, but then again, I mean, Mukun just really probably played the match of his life there. Yeah, I mean, I obviously went for the same one. Pirosh yeah. was our pick, and I really thought they were going to get a point on the board. Um, he was, you know, playing solidly, beat Jay Clark uh, in the quarters, and yeah, I mean, Mukun just came up with this uh, performance that I really wasn't expecting. Um, and then did absolutely nothing in the final to make it even worse, I think. So, yeah, but I mean, it would have been a point for both of us, so I don't really care. Like, I, yeah, I am you know, angry about Diaz Acosta losing, it's, but it's nice to, to pad the stats, it's nice to get a point on the that's board. That's true, that's true. It, it makes us look our, like less of, idiot, less, idiots, yeah. <laughs> less of an idiot, less idiots, yeah, less of an idiot, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, do we go for match of the week now? What's your match of the week? So my match of the week was Bjorn Fratangelo beating Mitchell Kruger, 7-6, uh, 6-7, Did you go for the same? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, stunning match. Uh, really entertaining rallies, as you said, uh, crazy stuff happening in the, <laughs> as, a, as a comeback. Um, yeah, what would you like about it? I mean, fun, fun mix of drama and quality is always good. And I at at, at five zero, I was fully ready to just take my eyes off it and go to something else. Um, but I but luckily I stuck around and and I got to got to witness the the very end of the match. Fratangelo was very impressive in the third set tiebreak as well. The the match points he saved were an ace and a forehand winner after quite a lengthy rally. So. Uh, yeah, just what we like best, I guess, in tennis. Drama, quality, and it's it just all working out. Yeah, so we've got, we've got the same match and upset of the week. I guess that probably never happens. Yeah, I don't think we've had that before, but we've had both be the same one. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, are we going to... Yeah, we, do we want to do the previous now and qualifiers after? 
that is a good question i i do not have an answer for that like i whatever you yeah want, sure let's, let's wrap up the challenges stuff and then okay. we'll get to the, get to the qualifiers sure. so um next week we have two challengers an, an 80 in Forli and then a 50 in blumenau uh, obviously, fewer challengers depleted fields due to the uh, Australian Open qualifying. Although, I mean, actually, the the Foley fields doesn't seem that weak. Honestly, I think it's a, mainly a lot of unvaccinated guys who didn't want to fly over, or people who just didn't want to fly over due to the cost and whatnot. But uh, it's actually a, a surprisingly strong field compared to what we had last year. It's during, an eighty, like, right? The, so, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't have Pierre with uh, Erberg and they're pulling out, even though it was supposed to be a season start uh, as it was you know, published. But we do have Vasek Pospisil as the top seat playing a qualifier and then Matteo Gigante or another qualifier. So a nice start for him there. However, uh, he has then Jean Borpiroche in his section playing Luca Potenza in the first round and also sixth seed Denis Istomin playing Borna Goyo who, I mean, was incredible at the Davis Cup. We'll see if he can replicate it uh, anywhere else this year, but will be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, in the next section, we have four seed Pavel Kotov playing Mariusz Popil, uh, which I think should be a pretty entertaining match. Winner of that face is Alexander Richard or wildcard Stefano Napolitano, who keeps getting wildcards. I hate it. I don't know why. It's <laughs> What's the point? Um, then we have Luca Nardi with a special exam playing a qualifier, and then... Um, facing uh, either Jack Draper, the eighth seed, or Roberto Quiroz. Third section, we have Jay Clark, the third seed, playing Nicolas Mejia. Winner faces Antoine Escoffier or Francesco Forti. We also have fifth seed, Cedric Matzo Stebe, uh, playing Nederman Fatic. We'll see what sort of physical shape he's in after the walkover last week. The winner of that faces Tunglin Wu or Qualifier. And then in the final section, we have second seed, Antoine Huang, playing Evgeny Turniev. Winner faces Malik Jaziri or a qualifier. We also have Sasikumar, um, sorry, Mukun Sasikumar uh, on a special exam playing Evan Furness. The winner of that faces seventh seed Kaichi Uchida or a qualifier. Uh, so, how do you like this field? How do you like some of the qualifiers? Much more interesting than than the than the one last week for sure. Uh, Bendigo and Trago were um, a lot more exciting than than the European and South American challengers last week for sure. So, so I'm, you know, I'm excited to watch something uh, when I'm, you know, half asleep <laughs> after, after, you know, sleepwalking through the night watching the Australian Open uh, qualifying. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see how Nardi does in a much better field because there's going to be potentially Draper in the second round. The quarters could be insane with Kotov, uh, Kopil, Richard. I mean, any of these guys are... Uh, are probably, you know, almost as good as any any opponent he faced last week. Probably better. Um, the qualies have a lot of good names too. Uh, uh, Calvin Emery, I still stand by 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 my opinion that he's at some point going to still make them, you know, just do some damage in in challenger events. Uh, there's plenty of guys like Aidan McHugh who lost just a two tiebreak match to Jake Clark last week. I think he really could could go on some sort of a run. He actually beat Elmar Yupovic in a very tight game this week, uh, the, today. Uh, there's also my my personal favorite, which you, which you already know, uh, Jeremy Ann playing Paul Jab, 
but I, you know, not giving him much of a chance there. But Jab is someone that that certainly could be could be also dangerous at challenger level this year. He's had a fantastic uh, ITF campaign last season. Was obviously great in in college. Uh, so so even the qualities field is super strong. Uh, I definitely want to see Kopil Kotov as you mentioned. Uh, Turnev Oang could be very interesting because Turnev, like if he if he repeats that level from Saint Petersburg, for example, then indoors he was a, a real force. Kaichi Uchida is somewhat exciting because of the the Rio de Janeiro title that he had. So maybe you know maybe maybe that's gonna give him some sort of a confidence boost. Uh, you could really go for a lot in a lot of directions in terms of the winner. I think. I kind of just want to repeat myself and go to Jean Paul Piroche. Uh, I think that Mukun Sasi Kumar lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we keep doing that. Uh, the, the the loss to the, the Indian <laughs> was a little bit of a, you know, just the exception, not the rule. I think he was playing very well before that. Uh, the draw is potentially dangerous because Gojo or, or Goyo, Goyo, sorry, because he's, he's obviously Croatian. Uh, but I, I guess in the states they still probably go in Gojo, but but he's he's playing uh, you know him or Istomin is is yeah certainly somewhat uh, troublesome you know, tro- can give him troubles. Uh, Pospisil as well. I just don't know what what to expect from Vashek at this point. So I I think Pirosh is a pretty strong pick again. Yeah, sure is a strong pick because I also picked him. Yeah, uh, that's why I was smiling earlier because <laughs> I, I thought I was going a little bit, you know, because because it does seem like a, a tough section, but you know, Putin says, you know, okay, first round, uh, uh, Goyo will we'll see if he can replicate the Davis Cup, but I, I'd be surprised honestly. Istomin pretty much cooked at this point, uh, post picture five match losing streak or something like that. So, I mean, he's, he's been losing a lot at the American Challengers. He wasn't really making runs there anyway. Uh, so I thought that Pirosh was going to be my, you know, surprise back-to-back weeks pick, but I guess not. We're, we're both going for him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this draw. It's, it's quite a, a, a bit better than what I thought it was going to be. So it should if be... If not Pirosh, then who would have been your, your second pick? I didn't have a second option, but... Um, who was I thinking? I mean, maybe, I maybe some like like Richard or something. Okay, I mean Richard uh, is dangerous with Kotov in the section. If Nardi with Draper, I don't yeah. know. I mean, Peter just really seems like the sensible pick, even if it's pretty weird to, uh, you know, to to consider a guy who's never won a challenger title had just one final a sensible pick, uh, and you know, uh, the safest option, but. I, I think yeah, I I definitely agree uh, that that he's he's probably the the one to go for in this. Maybe maybe we're gonna beat him totally wrong. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Who is first round to Potenza? Um, all right, should we go to Blumenau? Yep. Yes, Blumenau, where we have at least to me a very surprising top seed, Fernando mm. Verdasco. I was not expecting to see Fernando Verdasco at a Challenger 50, potentially ever, uh, but especially this week. Did not see it coming. He starts against a qualifier, and then uh, either Nicolas Moreno de Alboran or Strong Kirkheimer. Love that name. Um, then in the, in the section, we also have Igor Marcondes, um, who faces Mateus de Carvalho Cardoso Alves. The winner of that face is Mats Rosengrantz or Mateus Amorim de Lima. So I think a very exciting section here. Uh, should be pretty fun. 
In the next section, we have Genaro Alberto Oliveri facing a qualifier, and then Cristian Rodriguez or Jules uh, Ocala. Other seed in the section is Edna Casanova playing Pedro Boscardin Diaz. Winner of that face is Facundo Juarez or Joao Lucas Reis da Silva. Third section, we have Gonzalo Lama playing Juan Pablo Paz. Uh, winner of that face is Noah Rubin or Daniel Dutra da Silva. We also have uh, seven seed Carlos Jimena Valero playing Gonzalo Villanueva. We'll see what sort of physical shape he's in this week uh, with, the, with the hand injury, as you mentioned. And the winner of the face is Valdkar Joao Victor Couto Loero or a qualifier. In the final section, we have Orlando Luz as the second seed playing Juan Bautista Torres. Winner faces uh, Jose Vidal Azorin or qualifier. And then we have eight seed Facundo Diaz Acosta playing qualifier, and then the winner of that facing Pedro Sakamoto or a qualifier. Uh, how do you like this draw? Uh, I really don't know what to go for here, honestly. Uh, mm. So I'm going to start, obviously, from the qualifying again. And I, I think Burujaga is probably the only guy who would make like a run here. Uh, I I also really liked what Alec Deckers had to had to show last week. Did, uh, did we talk about him at all? Or uh, I don't think so. You, you know you know who his father is or? Uh, wait, who, whose father? Alec, Alec Deckers. Yes. Uh, I actually don't know who his he father is. Richard Playtech. Oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, yep, and the and the model or Daphne Deckers, I think she, she her name is. Yeah, and oh. yeah, he's he's Craig's son. Uh, he's twenty one, I believe, and and had some uh some very good moments last week. Although they were mostly, uh, you know, they they were mostly <laughs> his matches were mostly filled with ups and downs, I would say. But he lost to Gabriel Tumasonis from Brazil. I I I don't think I've even even seen the name before, honestly. Uh, mm. So, so I cannot really talk about him as a potential, uh, as a potential potential deep run in the uh, in the draw at Blumenau, Blumenau, or, or I, I really don't know. I was just trying to look for the pronunciation, but I guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be sharper on it next week. Uh, yeah, anyhow, Burutaga, as I said, is is probably the only guy who can who can really do something here. Verdasco, um, Jesus. <laughs> I, I almost want to go for him. Like the, the the rest of the draw is, I think he's about 150 ranking spots higher than anyone else, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so it, it's quite hard for me not to go for him. Diaz Acosta is obviously again an option. Uh, I don't like that he has Luz and Torres in his section. I think Luz I don't want to go for because I think Torres is pretty dangerous. Uh, Jimeno Valero, I don't want to go for because of the hand injury. Olivieri is an option as well. I think the section is pretty nice, but then I don't I don't know if I trust him against Casanova or Juarez. Igor Marcondes is an idea. I actually remember that when Marcondes won that title at Sao Paulo or whatever the Brazilian challenger was, uh, <laughs> I compared his uh, a little bit of his footwork to Fernando Verdasco, so it would be fun oh, well, to see you, that. We might, we might just get it. Yes, and I, I, I would really love to see that quarter final. I mean, whatever. Let, I, I'm just gonna go for a very boring pick and say Fernando Verdasco. I, I, I really don't know. I think a lot of weird stuff can happen here. Verdasco is obviously the higher ranked player, but hasn't been in top shape. Still probably playing a bit better than most of the fields. But there are guys here who could beat him for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I looked at Vedasco. He's 38 now. Wow. Um, obviously, horrible year last year, 10 and 20. Uh, very poor. And I mean, that, that, that's including a semi-final run into the where he was actually yeah. quite decent. He was very good. Uh, he lost to Greekspor in a, in a great match, yeah. Yeah, but outside of that struggle bus, struggle bus of a year. Um, yeah, I, I don't like him in this section. I, I feel like Mark Mondes is dangerous. I feel like maybe even Rosenkrantz is dangerous. I don't think that he's making it out of that quarter, to be honest. So I'm going for Genaro Alberto Olivieri, uh, okay. who, as you mentioned, it's a nice section. Uh, he had a pretty good run uh, at the end of last year in Brazil. I don't know. Yeah, obviously, don't remember which <laughs> tournament it was. Yeah. But I think he made final or something so i feel like the first two matches are very nice um and then from there i, I think they can take it all yeah olivieri yeah olivieri i i think it was the no it wasn't the last event i can't remember yeah never mind i think it was the same that marcondes won but yeah i don't think it was sao paulo i think <laughs> i think i made a mistake there but i was thinking of olivieri for sure yeah i, I just didn't really like his easy loss to Villanueva last week. That was what sort yeah. of steered me off of that pick. And then I, I just was sort of thinking of uh, Diaz Acosta and Verdasco, I guess. Yeah, anything can happen, really. Uh, maybe Gonzalo Lama is a, is a pick. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he made the semis this week. I mean, it's certainly, certainly possible. Um, all right, should we go back to Australia, make it full circle this time for Australian Open men's qualifying? Um, where, I mean, just let me preface this off the top. The top two seeds are Slovak players, uh, which I hate because I don't think either of them is going to make it in. And it's a real shame. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's like a famous thing of being the top seed at qualifying, uh, especially at a slam, is potentially the worst thing that can happen to yeah, you. Yeah, but they're still not. Uh, they're still not the first uh, people in in the queue, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Shark is the is the first alternate. Gombos is the second one, and Martin is the sixth one. So. Wait. So, so, so Mike Shark is the first alternate, but he's not signed up for qualifying. Or well, he had to withdraw from the qualifying because of the positive test. Oh right, yeah. That, that forced know. him out of the semi against Spain at the ATP Cup. So he's hoping that he will get into the main draw, uh, because that's the only way he can play the Australian Open right now. Yeah, otherwise I, he'd I be. Why Jan Zielinski was playing that? But... <laughs> yes. Otherwise he'd uh... be. Otherwise he'd be playing the the, the qualies, right? He would just be yeah. the top seed yeah. in the qualies and playing today or tomorrow. But that, that's the only way. So he's only hoping for one more withdrawal. I don't know if it's going to come. Who the hell knows? Obviously not wishing that onto someone, but it's very possible that, that, that someone will get COVID. We live in such times. Yeah. So top section, we have top seed Andre Martin facing Robin Hase. Uh, winner of that, please, Mirza Basic or Michal Kukushkin. Then we have 32nd seed, Alto like playing Ernesto Escobedo. Winner of that faces Ruben Bemelmans or Nuno Borges. So obviously es Escobedo with the form, he's sort of the obvious pick, but I feel like that first round is quite difficult against Jelly B. Like I don't, I don't really like it that much, um, but I'm actually picking him either way. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Escobedo. Yeah, that, that was my initial instinct as well. Uh, but I did decide to go for Borges. I just don't know if after you know such a draining week, Escobedo will be able to perform. Also, 
I've been wrong about Escobedo so many times now, like expecting him to just capitalize on his good form and he flops every time. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen again, but I feel like Nuno Borges is certainly very capable of beating him, even if Escobedo plays like he did in Intraragon. Oh, Bendigo. Uh, Bendigo, yes. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just, just don't like going for him after after a long week. Uh, so I did I did go for Nuno Borges. Uh, it's a pretty even section. Like you could you could probably name like five or six guys here who could easily make the main draw, and we wouldn't be surprised. Andre Martin is not one of them. <laughs> I mean, right, is, well, is he? Is he? That was necessary, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not on hard course. If it was the French Open, I'd be saying that Borges, Martin, and I don't know, uh, Borges and Martin have a chance. But other, yeah, other... yeah, and, and then Martin's not qualifying here. I actually think Kokushkin might have a decent chance there. Yep. Um, but I mean, anybody does if it's a basically eight man field for one title, which is like 60,000 Australian dollars. So it's a pretty good, pretty good title to play for there. Uh, in the second section, we have second seed Norbert Gombos playing Andrei Kuznetsov, winner of the faces Zerenzo Olivo or Bjorn Fratangelo. The other seed is Mats Morang, 27, um, playing Matthew Ebden, winner faces Dominic Stefan Stricker or Mohamed Safwat. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts here? I mean... I've been hyping up Morang a lot on this podcast and in some tweet on Twitter and some articles, but he hasn't been healthy, and it doesn't fill me with with confidence. I think Fratangelo, uh, even more so than with Escobedo, I'm afraid of picking him because of fatigue issues. Uh, so I went for a very optimistic pick here. <laughs> and And that pick is Dominic Stricker. Uh, the match against De Jong wasn't good at all. Uh, but I think if he gets uh, if he gets that one round where he can sort of relax, play against an opponent who's also in awful shape recently, like Savat, uh, he can be he can be very dangerous here. I think again this is a very even section. Ebden um, could make it, like just playing in Australia. I think he's usually been very good. He had that one year where he like played in the third round of the Australian Open, lost to Nadal or something like that. I mean, he, he's usually very good at home. Uh, Kuznetsov is dangerous. Gombosh, maybe. I don't know if you're going to pick him. But yeah, I went with I went with Stricker, but there's very little confidence uh, in that pick for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not picking Gombosh here. He lost uh, to Celik Bilek in the, in the first week quite easily in the qualies of one of the ATP tournaments. I don't know which one, but it was like 6-4, 6-4. Uh, I'm going for Fratangelo. Yes, potential fatigue issues, but you know it's 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 Olivo in the first round. Um, I don't feel like Gombosh and Kuznetsov. They, they, they should both lose to Fratangelo. Uh, so I feel like to get to the final qualifying round, he's 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 quite good. And then you know we'll we'll see what happens. But Fratangelo is I, feel, I think a pretty good pick here. Uh, third section is the first one that I've had this trouble to pick somebody, I think. Uh, we have Daniel Elahigalan as the third seed, uh, playing Pracinj Gunesvaran. Winner of that face is Maximilian Materer or Dino Sendarusic. Then we have Federico Gallo, the 20th seed, playing Tobias Kamke. And the winner of that face is Dimitar Kuzmanov or Daniel Masur. Yeah, I think 
the two strongest players in that section are playing each other in the first round, which could be a bit of a controversial idea. Do you, do you know which match I'm talking about? I mean, um, I'm, like, Matera is the is the best player in here for me, and I, I mean, Sedarosic made like the what was it quarters? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that's the, that's the one I'm talking about. So even though I am a bit afraid of Sedarosic, I think Matera is probably the uh, the strongest player of the two. Simply, I don't trust Galan on hard courts. Uh, Gunas Baran hasn't been good in a while. That the bottom section is. I, mean, I don't want to say trash or anything like this. They obviously <laughs> can play very well on their days, but either haven't been doing that good recently or Kuzmano, in, in the case of Kuzmanov, he's not... I mean, he, he can play well on hard courts, but I just don't know if I trust him to, to win three matches against against quality players. Uh, I think Marterer, with the quite fast conditions in Australia, he, he can shine. Yeah, I'm 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 also picking Marter and um yeah, probably the, the best choice here out of the not so good bunch. Uh onto the fourth section where we have Gilles Simon, the, the enigma of this week, uh playing a Aussie wildcard whose name I'm I'm about to have to pull up. His last name is Winter. First Edward. name Edward. Edward Winter ranked uh deeply outside the top 1000 he's 17 years old though so so it could be interesting to watch him winner of this winner of the faces is Perdeong or akira santelan with a wild card uh then we have tomas mahaj the 20th seed playing camilo ugukarabe we have yuki bambi coming back uh which i remember reading an article about last week last week last year at some point i was going to come back for this season so should be interesting to watch he plays joao dominguez in the first round uh, I think this is probably a pretty easy section to pick, I think. I was considering De Jong, honestly. Uh, hmm. He blew out Simon very easily last week. So, I mean, if, if they meet again, then I trust him to do the same. But he also lost to Mahat, right? And uh, even yeah. though I mentioned the fatigue concerns with Fratangelo and Descobedo, I think Mahat had an easier week. And he's also younger, if that counts for anything. Uh, Ugo Carabelli is probably not as good on hard courts as he is on clay, although I, I can't remember seeing him play on that recently. And Dominguez and Bambri, I mean, yeah, Dominguez is is not in good form, hasn't been in good form for a while now, and Bambri, as you said, is coming back. So I think Mahaj has a has a very good draw here. Uh, yeah, yeah. On to the next one, fifth section. We have Radu Albot, the fifth seed, playing. Um, Filippo Baldi, the winner of the faces Ilya Marchenko or Yosuke Watanuki. The other seed in here is Joao Souza, the 17th seed, sorry, playing Manuel Guinard, and the winner of that face is Mark Pomans or Jeffrey Blancno. Yeah, this one is weaker for sure, a bit tougher to pick from. Um, I mean, I this is an optimistic pick again. But I think there, there were some very good moments in Zhao Souza's 2021 campaign. He lost to Cressy quite easily this week, I think. Uh, well, that was already six days ago, I think, in the qualies. So he, he had some time to practice. Obviously, Cressy had a fantastic run in, in Melbourne. Uh, so I, I, I think Zhao Souza, you know, he, he's still wildly inconsistent in terms of what level he can actually bring to the court. But I feel like the the highs overshadow the, the lows for me and I'm I'm still gonna pick him just because this is a you know, 
know, definitely a weaker section, and he could he can potentially capitalize on it. I wouldn't hate maybe two other guys, but I don't know who you're gonna pick. Um, so I, I like to pick a couple of Australians throughout this draw because you mm. know somebody always makes it. They're always motivated, and I'm picking one here. I'm going for Mark Polmans. He is on a long, long losing streak. Uh, he might not have been good recently, but in Australia, he sometimes gets gets a good result. He's he's he often goes to five sets at the Australian Open. I've noticed he went to five sets with Fuchovic last year, beat uh, Kukushkin in five sets in 2020. Uh, I think 2019, he also went to five sets with, uh, who was it, Kudla. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, if, if if he's motivated to play these epics, why wouldn't he be motivated by the crowd to, to qualify out of a not-so-good section? If he, so wants he, to, if he wants to play a five-setter this year, then he needs to qualify, right? So Yeah, he, he, needs, to get, he needs to get through this to, to get to his five-setter. Uh, you picked Souza, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, on to the next section, section number six, where we have Bernabez Zapata Miraes uh, playing Mitri Popko. Winner of the face is Filip Sekulic or Matias Bachinger. Uh, the other seed in the section is Yuzhi Lehechka, 18th seed, playing Michael Moe. Winner of the face is Yevgeny Donskoy or uh, Max Purcell. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we have a different pick here. Uh, I don't think he's Actually, a... we, we have a different pick here, I'm almost certain. Okay. So you went for Max Purcell. Uh, I sure did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll Max Purcell. Uh, I like to pick my Australians. Um, obviously, Lehechka performed well last week, um, but you know, Max Purcell once again is somebody who who does who does better in Australia. Uh, he beat Uga Stone last year uh, in qualifying, then lost to Karatsev, who obviously Karatsev was on fire at the time. Uh, beat Gombos in Australia last year. And before then, um, he, he qualified in 2020. Uh, so that's a pretty, pretty good sign. Uh, so yeah, Max Purcell, why not? I don't hate it. I think Lahetka is the clear favorite, but it's not like he's a lock at all. I mean, in general, Australian Open qualifying, Grand Slam qualifying is you know, so random <laughs> with, with the draw, yeah. with, the, with how even the quality is. So I... I, I definitely agree that the bottom part of this uh, sixth qualifier, sixth section is a lot stronger. Uh, Mo is a t- tough first round draw for Lehechka. So that was what you know, yeah. sort of had me in, in some doubts. But then, as you said, I mean, he was good enough in Tralagon that I'm going to trust him. He barely missed out on qualifying for the US Open. And I think he, he might be ready to do it this time. But yeah, whoever go- comes out of this Persil, uh, Donskoy, Mo. The Hedgeka section, I think, will be quite heavily favored to, yeah. to make it out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, seventh section, we have seven seed Taro Daniel playing Andrea Arnaboldi. It will be their sixth match already, which is surprising. They have a three to two head-to-head, uh, which I wasn't expecting. The winner of that face is Ramkumar Ramanathan or Gianmarco Maroni. Uh, Maroni? Moroni, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the other seed in section is Salvatore Caruso. Playing Blajrola, winner of the face is Felipe Meligeni Rodriguez Alves or Juan Pablo Fikovic. Uh, who do you like out of the section here? I think this section has a very strong favorite, so I was surprised to see that some people on Twitter or wherever did not think so. But to me, it's a Taro Daniel. I mean, all <laughs> it, it, it just has Taro Daniel's name written all over it. Uh, I believe he played very well uh, this week. 
uh, yeah. won three free matches. One. Yes, he won three matches, and I believe he he had some crazy aces record. Like it seems like he he improved his serve a lot. Played played great against Tommy Paul. I just don't see how he's the informed player here. He's uh, you know he's so much better. At least, in, you know, just in my opinion, than other players here. Maybe not Caruso, but I I don't know if I trust Caruso on hard courts that much. And Daniel is just always in that, uh, you know, in that spot of not making the main rows at slams, but yeah. uh, but being one of the top seeds in qualifying. And he's he's usually you know a threat. He's usually a threat in in these competitions. And I I feel very strongly about this pick. Yeah, me too. Uh, as you said, uh, the service improved. He, he he got 12 aces against both Ota and Musetti. Um, beat Edward Winter as well before losing to Tommy Paul, 6-4 in the third. So, I mean, strong week there. Um, just looking at what he did last year, lost in final qualifying round to Emer. But I, I feel like you should definitely make it through the section. It's Caruso had, had a good run, but he, he got a retirement from Grenier there. In the quarters, so ah, yeah, that I'm, I'm going for Daniel's. Well. And we shall see if Caruso even makes it through. I mean, I, uh, if if one of yeah. these is to lose uh, before the third round, then I think Caruso is the the one more likely. So yeah. Yes. So section number eight, we have Janik Hanfman, eighth seed, playing Jason Jung, winner of that faces Team Van Rijthoven or Facundo Mena. Then we have a French derby here, 26 seed, 20 and Alice plays wild card Harold Mayo. Uh, winner of the faces Mark, Mark Andrea uh, Hisler or um, Alessandro Genesi. I was thinking of two guys here. Um, they're both in the bottom section, not the bottom part of this section. I, I saw a lot of people going for Hanfman as well. I mean, mm. I, I'm not convinced about him on, on hard courts. That's like my most. You know, the issue that I have, uh, also he hasn't really been in that that good form in, in such good form. I think Alice, uh, even though I he disappointed me a lot of times, he's still somewhat underrated. I think that the tennis he's playing right now is, you know, he's capable of returning to to where he was uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, was he? I don't think he was in the top one hundred. Right? It was like one hundred and two or something like that. Yeah, 102. Uh, at least 102. Yeah. Yeah, 102. Uh, I think he's playing at, at a pretty similar level right now, and he it wouldn't surprise me here if he if he just aced the aced for this qualifier. Even though I obviously have to recognize that this guy can have a lot of mental issues with closing out the matches, and and at times he just never you know at times he just not doesn't perform for whatever reason you cannot really uh, predict it you cannot really expect it but i think he's he's really underrated right now um yeah i mean Ali's uh, is also my pick he's qualified the last three uh, the, the three of the last four he's qualified obviously one of them was in uh, the middle east so that was in australia but i feel like he has a very good chance here uh, the draw isn't insanely hard uh he, he got a good couple of matches in against mo borg lost the tight one to to Quaco in the first week yeah i feel like halis is a, is a good pick all right on to the next one uh we have the ninth section and the ninth seed francisco serendolo uh playing pedro cachin 
winner of that face is Lukas Latsko or, or uh, Marco Trunchetti. Uh, then we have Damir Jumhur, the 30th seed, playing lead two with a wild card. And Matthias Borg playing another wild card, Rinki Hijikata. Uh, yeah, who do you like out of this section? Yeah, I think we're not going to have the same pick here, probably. I went for an off-meta one, for sure. And I went to Rinki Hijikata. Oh. I don't know if if maybe that's a little bit you know too 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 much. He lost to Cressy in some in pretty straightforward fashion this week, but before that he, he you know he was able to perform against much higher ranked players. Uh, I feel like this section is weak. Uh, Serundolo, it's still small sample size. I think he might be good on hard courts in at some point, but probably isn't yet. Uh, I, I would definitely be thinking of the two if not for his withdrawal last week. I'm not sure what that was about, but without seeing him beforehand, I I don't like it. I, I was basically thinking between the, the two Australian wildcards here. And maybe I'm underestimating Junghur, but yeah. So I'm going with Rinki Hijikata. This is a very optimistic pick, but he's done well in Australian Open qualifying in, uh, you know, in the past. Yeah, I mean, funny story. I also picked Rinki Hijikata. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was very, very close to picking Lukas Latsko. Uh, <laughs> I wanted him to have his one last hurrah. Uh, but you know, I mean, it, I, I look at it, it's all Argentinian flags. I'm like, oh, clay quarters, but these guys are probably better than Latsko and Hardcore at this point, unless he gathers some of that magic that we saw at, at points last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he got that. I I enjoy watching him play. Um, he he beat Kudla, he beat Laxon, and yes, he got murdered by Cressy. But Cressy was incredible last week. We should also mention that. Shout out to Max Cressy for reaching that final. I mean, crazy stuff. And the top one hundred. Uh, yeah, Jumhur lost uh, first round last week. Lead to withdrew due to health issues. Uh, Matthias Borg, meh. I mean. Yeah, I, I like Hijikata here. I, I feel like it's a, it's a quite logical pick. Cool. I did not expect this. Uh, I saw Alex also also picked him. Uh, he, oh my God. he tends to go for the college guys, I think. So, so mm. I'm not that surprised for, with this. Uh, but, uh, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to say something about Lachko as well, but I can't remember what it was right now. Ah, that in this section you'd probably not be risking much by picking Lachko because it's really hard to predict. <laughs> yeah, I need to finish in uh, 10 minutes. So we, so we okay, let's rush. let's rush, let's rush. Yes, next up we have my favorite section uh, of this draw. We have Liam Brody, 10 seed, playing Kasper Zhuk. Exciting. Then we have JJ Wolf playing Sergei Stachowski. I thought he retired. What's he doing here? Um, although, I mean, probably makes sense to play slam qualities while still at the ranking, get some money in. Um, then we have Bernard Tomic. Uh, who's apparently blonde now. Have you seen this? No, no, no. Yeah, no. He's blonde now, so get ready for that. He's playing Roman Safulin, who was doing really great at the ATP Cup. And then we have Chris Eubanks playing Tristan Schoolcate, the wild card. Uh, yeah, who are you taking here? Many good picks here, honestly. Like, eight of all eight of them probably uh, because yeah, Tomic wants to go exciting. to the top 100 and all but because we have to rush it I'm just gonna say that I went with Roman Safiulin and should have a lot of confidence from the ATP Cup if he plays like he did there uh, I think he can do it but honestly besides Stakowski anyone can do it I think but don't wanna you know 
Stacco did it yeah, last I mean, year. So. I promise I'm not copying you, but I'm also going for Safiulin. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, I I was very impressed by his ATP Cup singles and doubles. Uh he was he was quite good. Uh Dominic, yeah, he's he's you know, it's fun to watch the the freak show or whatever. But he's he's not going to beat him, and I feel like he's he's in the better section of this without Brody Juk. Well, Juk's injured, you said, but we'll see how he turns out. Brody, I feel like he's he's in the better bit of this section here. So Safiulin for me. Yep. Um, on we go to section eleven, where we have Juan Pablo Barrias playing Yasutaka Uchiyama, winner of that faces Ernest Kubitz, uh, Ernest Kubus or Gastel Eliash. Then we have Ugo Granier playing Timofey Skatov. Uh, Dubunar of the face is Gregor Barrer or Dane Sweeney. Yeah, I decided to go for uh, a, a pretty weird pick here, I guess, because it's Ugo Granier. But I mean, it's not weird, but because of his retirement due to COVID, I should theoretically be going for someone else, right? Because I, I, I was worried with fatigue concerns, talking of Fratangelo or Escobedo, but the section is just not not too strong. And I feel like if Grenier is healthy, then he should be able to qualify pretty easily. I mean, maybe Barrera is a, is a dangerous guy because he's an expert of Grand Slam qualifying, you could say. Uh, yeah, we've had four picks in a row the same, and I do break the, the chain oh. here. I'm not taking it in yet. The retirement scared me a bit. I'm taking Gulbis. Uh, yeah, let's see what he does. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I feel like he, I just keep thinking that he has this one last tournament left in him, and that tournament was probably like 2017 or something. But <laughs> I I feel like he he can he can do something. It's it's not a super hard section. Um, so we'll see. Okay. Uh, going on to the section number 12, we have Tomas Martin Echeverri, 12 seed playing Kimer Kopayans, uh, winner of the faces Lorenzo Giustino or Jason Kubler. We also have Zdeni Kolaj, 19 seed playing Andrea Coyarini, winner of the faces uh, Andrew Harris or Flavio Koboi. So who, who do you like here? Because I don't actually like anybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you went for the Australian power here with, with Kubler. I did too. Uh, I thought of Kipan Kopeyans. Um, I, I I also thought you know he he might want he might see it on Twitter because he follows me and and he's gonna be happy. But then again, then I decided to change it to Kubler uh, <laughs> because honestly, I, I I just yeah as as you mentioned, this isn't a good section. Uh, and I think Kopeyans did it last year, I believe. But Kubler with you know Australia, he's very good in hard courts. I I believe he's the he's the stronger player probably. Yeah, that probably is the, the correct pick. Uh, I picked Slavik Koboli. I couldn't tell you why, to be entirely honest. Um, maybe, I mean, he, he beat Kozlov, but Kozlov was bad. The draw is, I guess, good. I mean, he has Andrew yeah. Harris. Draw is good, Koyari. for sure. lost first round last week. Yeah, Koboli, sure. Why not? Draw, draw is good, but I, I don't trust him at all on hard courts yet. Yeah, that's that, that's a fair assessment. Then we have Chago Seboshvild. Uh, playing Tomas Fabiano in the next section, winner of the face is Frederico Ferreira Silva or Gosweda. The other seed is Emilio Gomez, tw- number 23, playing Nicola Kuhn. Winner faces Ulysses Blanche or Mitchell Kruger. Uh, who do you like out of the section here? That's enough meta pick. You know, it's a personal favorite of mine. You know, I still believe, even though I probably shouldn't, I went with Nicola Kuhn. The other players in that section besides Kruger are just so unimpressive to me at the moment that. Uh, I I feel like it might happen 
even Von Gomez is a very good counter puncher and he can just make Kuhn, you know, play the extra ball and leak errors. But, you know, whatever. I'm just going to go with Nikola Kuhn. Uh, yeah, I, I did cover Bicho Kruger, who I think is the obvious pick, made the semis, uh, destroyed Timofey's cutoff, which actually missed that result, 6 1 6 love. But then, yeah, wins over Kopejan, Sederuzic, very, very close loss to Fred Angelo. Uh, and when we go to the section number 14, we have uh, Yuri Rodinov playing Maxime Janvier. Winner faces Filip Horansky or Mikhail uh, Torpegard. Then we have Tomas Barrios Vera, no longer Marcelo, just Tomas. <laughs> Uh, facing Alexander Miller. Um, winner of that faces Chago Agustin Tirante or Braden Schnur. Uh, who do you like from the section here? Again, one of the weaker ones. I was seriously considering Koransky, which yeah. I guess was, you know. It's a sign that it's a weak section if you're considering. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> On hard courts, especially, probably. And I, I went with Yuri Rodionov because even though he hasn't been in good form, I feel like he has a significant edge over the rest of the field. Uh, yeah, I actually also went Rodionov here. Um, he, he he pulls out these results every now and then, even though he's sort of been overall, I think, a disappointment so far in his career. He's not really like transcended the way that I expected him yep. to after that incredible uh, celebration in Bratislava, which <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, next, we have 16, 15 section, Nikola Milojevic, uh, the 15th seed plays Nikolas Kiker. Winner faces Izubergs or Vitali Sajko. We also have Cem Ilkel playing Enzo Kwako. Winner of that faces Vid Kopshiva or Franco Akamenona. Lots of guys that did well last week here. Uh, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, literally anyone could, could make it through here. I wouldn't be surprised at any single result. I decided to go for the one who I think has the most potential in the long run. So Zizubergs. I was wrong about him at the US Open, picking the qualifiers, I remember, but I am hoping that this time it's going to be better. Sachko is probably be, be tougher than Milojevic or Kikar, so I, I'm hoping for a tough first turn win and then a little easier second. Uh, yeah, I also went bad because I was really impressed uh, by his matching his Grenier um, in the, what was that, like, yeah, in like Quarters? last week. No, third round. Uh, I, th I think that was the third round. Third round. Yeah. yeah, third round. He he defeated Pospisil. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, Sachko is a tough opponent. Then I think if he beats Sachko, the second round shouldn't be as tough. But yeah, I mean, Agamenone, Kwako, uh, Kopchivan, Ilka are also dangerous. Almost anybody could make it up. Yeah, I think it's the most even section out of them all. Uh, and finally, section number 16 with Alejandro Tabilo. Playing James McCabe, winner faces Andrea Pellegrino or Constant Lestien. The other seed is Josef Kovalik playing Elias Imer. Winner of the faces Mario Villa Martinez or Dudi Sela. I thought also Dudi Sela retired, but uh, he's he's here as well. Uh, who'd you go for here? Yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if we if we end up with a different pick here. That that actually will put if you if you picked Alejandro Tabilo as well, that would actually put put us on nine out of sixteen the same. So. Quite a lot this time. I actually uh, no, never mind. Maybe because you because we have to rush. Anyhow, Alejandro Tabilo, he was really good at the ATP Cup. Uh, had these fantastic runs in Puerto Vallarta and uh, Lexington last year on hard courts. I think he's not a clay one trick anymore. And I think if he plays the way as he did in in Sydney at the ATP Cup, then he can easily clean up this section like very comfortably. 
Yeah, Tabil is a good pick, but I'm not going for a good okay. pick. I'm going for uh, Josef Kovalik. I've passed up so many Slovaks <laughs> to this draw. I got to the end, I was like, oh, I haven't picked a Slovak. What am I doing? Uh, but no, I mean, Kovalik, he has Imer in the first round, who's obviously famous for being very good in, in some qualifying. For sure. But I feel like once he beats Imer, the second match is very easy. And then, yeah, I mean, Tabil was hard again. But uh, yeah, Kovalik's the pick. I think Villa Martinez qualified for the Australian Open last year too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, but, I, I believe so. But that was probably a, obviously a last lucky. year's Australian Open qualifying was a bit weird with it not being uh, in Australia. Yeah, honestly. conditions probably similar, but not no in terms of the courts, but not in terms yeah. of the weather, of course. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're gonna finish at for today. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, see you guys next week when we're gonna talk about Forley and Blumeno. See you later. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. I know I say it every week. I mean it every time I say it. You are not going to find two people further ensconced on the ATP Challenger beat than them. We are so grateful for their continued contributions. And again, hope to have them later on this week to offer their thoughts on how Australian Open qualifying went to offer their takeaways from the week of action. Of course, we're recapping every day's action each and every day on our mini break podcast feed. Had David Kane join me on Monday. Going to have plenty of guests join me over the next week as we begin our preview of the 2022 Australian Open. Crazy to think, but folks, it starts next week. And with that said, we got to talk men's contenders, women's contenders, the dark horses, which Americans we should be watching out for. All of that coming throughout the course of the week here on this podcast. Of course, we're also going to try, wrap up our college contender series, talk to as many Power 5 coaches as we can. All of that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the mini break, our Cracked Interviews podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure that you don't miss out on any of our content. Speaking of all that content, shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out. Of course, again, for the immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. With all that said, for our co-hosts, Damien Kust and Jakob Barbaro, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? Hey, Great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.